of the Things I Wish I Knew About Money podcast. I'm your host, Camille Smith. And I'm your co-host, your boy, Dre. And we have a special <gasps> guest. Special, special. Hold on. Kurt, as you know, you always hear these sounds <laughs> <laughs> when we um, do the podcast. So I just want to do a... I'm going to notice all the one extra loads, so it seems like something special. <laughs> the song goes perfectly this time, so more and more right? one. <laughs> so, for all that don't know, um, most times when I speak about a mentor, I'm usually talking about this gentleman here. Um, and he didn't know he was a mentor <laughs> when I met him. I believe we met in 2017, just when I started um, FitDance IQ. And I was honored enough to meet uh, Keith Hill Jr. that knew Kurt and was able to collaborate um, to do a workshop. Mm-hmm. And Kurt was just like, we didn't even plan it really. Right. We were just like, okay, so we're going to have four people. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Others. And you're good to go. He's like, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) So he just, as soon as he came into the workshop, he just took the whole crowd and just did what he usually does best. And ever since then, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I had to keep him. (laughs) Like I'm keeping him um, around and we just been, very cool like it's a give or take uh type of um relationship in a sense and he's been there in my business and he's also been there personally and i just want to say before anything <laughs> starts whatever im say is a lie <laughs> about me <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking but it is an honor for our 30th episode for Kurt to come to the stage for for um, our podcast, welcome! Awesome, thank you for having me. I've been I've been tuning into every episode. I had to wait thirty episodes to get on here, but I'm I'm ready now. I got some. You started practice. already to come here. Right. Hey, I was just I had to make sure it was when we he he was ready, you know, when he was ready, ready. <laughs> no, and it's a pleasure. Things. I've been I I have watched and listened to every episode. And you guys are doing awesome work, and I'm just glad to be here with you. Thank you, thank you. And Good then... stuff. Thanks, thanks for coming. We are super grateful, and you know, like Camille, um, indirectly you've provided some mentorship because I've seen, you know, your posts and stuff on platform, uh, like the Black Canadian Investor Group, and all the incredible insights that you give. And you know, mm. so we're watching. We're watching. Okay, okay. You're in the group too. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the group. I mean, I don't post as often, but. I'm there. Yeah, you, you guys do all great um, insights, and I believe both of you guys in that group were 
like the investor VCI um, of the month. Spotlight. Oh, okay. Yeah, the spotlight. So, um, Kurt, how about you yes. tell people about yourself? You know? <laughs> about myself. Yeah, I only said I'm a little a, bit. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give the Coles Notes version. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a professional CPA by trade. It's kind of where I started. Really good at numbers. And so I just kind of ventured into accounting, finance, work in the investment industry, do some e-commerce. I love community work, love giving back. And, and that's just, you know, that's what I do. That's what most people know me for. Yeah. More, you know, other things. We're in Toronto. Big Raptors fan. Played basketball. Big up, big up, big up. I won a <laughs> won a championship when I played. You know, love people. Love to just to just learn, grow, and always looking for that next opportunity. Nice. Good stuff. I thought you were gonna say I love jerk chicken though. I do. I do. <laughs> when when this all opens up, you mentioned jerk box before, so we're gonna have to go. Yeah. To- exactly i'm done <laughs> i think i could come to the west <laughs> yeah, man, come true come true come true oh man so i guess in a sense um i love how you said you love the community and people and and everything and i've i've noticed that within the years mm-hmm. what inspired you to you know become to get into like the financial industry especially well, if anybody gives you a different answer other than money, they're probably lying, right? So I, I got in there because of money. When I grew up, I didn't have much of it. And when I was in high school, I ended up participating in a stock market competition. And then when I got to university, I was in a stock market competition. And by the second time I was part of it, I was like, this is what I want to do. Right? Mm-hmm. I want to learn how to master this game. And ever since then, since I left school, my whole journey has been about mastering this game of money and investing because I never wanted money to be a factor in the decisions that I had to make. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. The stock market challenge. So yeah. can you give us a little, like, what is that? What's the stock market challenge? A stock market, oh, <laughs> a stock market For challenge. folks that don't know, you know. Yes, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So I did a competition where they got together a group of students at the time mm-hmm. and we did it as a team. And so as a team, we had to, we got $100,000 and we had to use that $100,000 to build a portfolio in the stock market. So you buy and sell whatever stocks you come up with. Yeah. And then you, at the end of the competition, you figure out what place you come in and you either win or you lose. And at least you, your money grows or it doesn't grow. Mm-hmm. And so I did that twice, once in high school, once in university. And you won both of them. I didn't win both of them, but I made money on both of them. Okay. And that's what really triggered me. It was the only problem with the competition was that when you turn $100,000 into more than 100000 and none of the money's yours, mm, it's, yeah. it's a whole other thing, right? It's uh, like, I know, you have to continue with that. <laughs> and and but, so the competition turned me out to the stock market, but it turned me off of play money. So I never use, I never use play money to learn. Yeah, good stuff. And you know I can tell you have a winner mindset because you know what? I, I asked you um, if you won. You said, no, you didn't win. I think a lot of people would resort to being, no, I lost. But then instead you said, I didn't win. I made money. So in your eyes, you're not a loser as long as you're still making money. Never. 
I never right. lose. That, I, can't that's even, good. I can't think of a time I've lost. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is true. We, we actually just did a challenge um, <laughs> this week. Challenge number three, by the way. <laughs> and I must say, out of the three times we've played, every time <laughs> he wins. <laughs> But it's okay. So, it's okay. We learn from the master, right? That's from the master. <laughs> so do you think your winnings come from, because this is something, two parts to this question. The first is like, because you said that you're CPA uh, by profession. Uh, do you feel like, you know, that played a role into you being able to know more and to be able to do more? Or can somebody become an investor without having to go all the way to a CPA? And the second part to the question is, do you find that you're more of a big risk take and that contributed to your big gains or you're more conservative? Two good questions. <laughs> I'll start with the, the CPA and, and the background. I am a CPA that gave me an advantage in terms of being able to, being willing to look at financial reports, being willing to review financial statements. Yeah. And that gave me a different perspective, but there are a lot of people that trade from a technical perspective that doesn't rely on financials and they do just as well and, and maybe even better in some cases, depending on who they are. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately to be successful at the market and what I attribute my success to was that I committed myself to winning no matter what. Like when I started, mm -hmm. I had $50 from my first paycheck and I was, I'm going to turn this 50 into a million. Well, that didn't exactly happen. I think I lost the first 50 and a few 50s after that. <laughs> But I was like, I'm either going to get rich or broke playing this game, but there's no in between. I'm going to play this game until I win. Yeah. And the, the second part around, what was the second part of the question? Um, risk. Do you think you're... Risk, yeah, yes. Yeah. When, it, when it comes to risk, I consider myself, it's a balance. I think that I'm a risk taker. Obviously, if you get into the stock market, you're willing to take risk. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I don't do is I don't buy bonds and other low risk types of investments. I'm not telling, by the way, I'm not giving anybody advice, but I just don't do it because there's just not enough return there. So I need to take enough risk that I get enough return that my money actually grows at a decent pace. Mm -hmm. But I want to be able to make that money with the least risk possible. So I want to make 20%, but without, without losing 40% and being at the risk of losing 40%. Right. And if I can do that, then I'm, then I'm doing good. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and and and, and you, you've given us um, like some good pointers because one of the questions that often come up for me is how much do I start with? And when people think about investing, they're always thinking, oh, I need a thousand, oh, I need five thousand, I need ten grand. But you just said you started with fifty, which was significantly lower than what I started with. I started with ninety, right? <laughs> I didn't lose my first ninety, but because me, I was afraid. I just put the money in and left it. And that was it for that 90 bucks for a while. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no excuses to start, especially now, right? So when yeah. I started with 50, the commissions were $30 a trade. Mm -hmm. So to get oh, in and wow. out of a trade, to get in and out of a trade, I had to pay $60. So imagine buying a, a $10, $20, $30 stock. If I only bought one share, I would have to double my money and I would still break even. Wow. Right? You'd be making so, a lot of money. So I was incentivized to buy investments that grew at a large pace, but I also had to wait a long time. I had to save 50 and another 50, and I had to wait like two or three months 
yeah. before I had enough to buy my first investment because $30 was gone as soon as I placed the trade. Wow, that's crazy. So and if you got $50 today, you're like, you got well simple, you got quest trade, you got all yeah. these five dollar free commission. There's no excuse why you can't get started. I was right? gonna ask how long ago was that because I just <laughs> not I don't think for these <laughs> you know that, that's dating myself, but I'm gonna I started in that's okay. I started in 2001. Wow, holy so it's been actually 2001. 20 years. This is literally 20 years of do, of, of being in the investment game. Here you go. This guy is an expert. 20 years experience. That's why I say he's a master. Wow, he's a master. <laughs> <laughs> the boss come true, the boss himself. Mm. <laughs> is there are or are there any um lessons other than you know starting with $50 and continuously to, to add? Was there were there any mistakes or benefits that you learned throughout the last you know twenty years? <laughs> I can tell you the beginning was the most exciting part of the process and mm-hmm. for me, even looking back and at the time. And and I'll tell you when you get your first fifty dollars, and you get your first hundred dollars, whatever you start with, your ninety dollars, mm-hmm. you think that that hundred dollars is going to make you rich, and what you find out very quickly is that's just not true. Mm-hmm. It does require those constant contributions. So when I bought my first stock and I came up with this concept, think about it. 2001, I said, alternative fuel is the future. And we're in 2021 and it's still in the future. And so mm-hmm. I bought an alternative fuel company. And within a couple of weeks, it went from 30 cents to five cents. And I was like, oh, damn, this is not good. Then it declared for bankruptcy. All my money gone. And by that time, I saved up enough. It was like a student loan payment. And I was like, I could have just paid my student loan. Why am I doing this? Right? Mm-hmm. And I did it again. And I did it during 2001 was also the, the tech bubble when it bursts. And so I see Nortel go from hundreds of dollars to like a dollar. And I wow. bought Nortel on the way down. I got it at close to the bottom. I got it at three. But when you bought it at three, and it goes down to $2.69 and your heart is beating and you're like, <laughs> your second student loan payment and, and you're sitting there. It's, it's, it's about managing your emotions. And that's the biggest lesson I learned is that at one. some point I have to learn to manage the emotions. I have to be able to invest and sleep at night. And Nortel had me up day after day after day. And, and that's when mm-hmm. I said, that is it. I'm going to learn how to play this game properly where I can invest create a system that works and that's really when it snowballed from there nice yeah and, and i love your oh your highlight a system because remember in i think it was the session Camille, where we talked about michael leaching and how he talked about creating systems and yes. once you find what work it it makes sense to just stick to that system what that works for you and don't constantly try new things and so you stick to that system i'm assuming since the time you figured out to know and it's consistently provided returns. I I would say yes, I stick to that system with tweaks along the way because right. the market is never the same. True. And I am a I'm a self-taught investor. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't know anybody that knew how to invest. I didn't know anybody that knew about money. So literally all my learning was for me putting things together. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I had started off investing with stocks, evolved into options, futures. And imagine that I even bought some Bitcoin this year. Quite crazy. (laughs) Crazy. I have, I've evolved into different spaces. 
Yes. I have mainly focused on long-term investing. Nice. But along the way, I've learned how to start to take advantage of some short-term opportunities. I'm still learning that. I'm fundamentally a long-term investor. But every now and then, I would like to think that I can take advantage of some short-term opportunities that are in mm-hmm. front of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that you said that um, overall, you're a long-term investor because, as we know... <laughs> Mm-hmm. The the get quick money scheme or get rich um quick yeah. doesn't normally work. It's it's the longevity of of yeah. things that actually you know um the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. The longer you stay in the market, the longer you'll see results. Results, and and that's a more approved strategy. I feel like. When you, and, and of course, you can invest in some companies and long-term they don't grow, but I feel like the longer-term investing strategy uh, is more proven than, you know, like the get rich. Of course, you have some people who play it and play it well, but I think for the majority, it doesn't work out. And so this actually, because I don't know if this is something that you factor uh, in your decision, uh, Kurt, to make decision versus long-term, short-term versus long-term, because it is something that I learned it was a big lesson for me last year is opportunity cost. And so like last year I was trading because the market was all over the place. And so you see all of these um, short-term opportunities, um, not so much on the option side, but just regular stocks, right? And I took a lot of those um, quick profits, like within the market volatility, uh, you know, like probably early in the morning or whatever, I took quick profits out of stock. Those same stocks that I end up making like, uh, 20%, I think there was probably like two that I ended up making 100% on one and 300 on the other. But overall, when I looked at the loss that I, the amount I lost from not holding those stocks longer to benefit from the recovery period, like I think it was a crazy number, mm. right? That I missed out on because I was going for those short-term profits. So was it an experience like that for you where you're like, um, you know, like I, I could have made bigger profits by just holding longer versus uh, short-term trade. No, I started off long-term. Oh, I started, started off okay. long-term. All right, because, good. <laughs> because I had a fundamental background, which was analyzing financial statements because I'm mm. a CPA by trade. Right. And because I'm a CPA by trade, financial statements only come out annually and then you get the quarterly interim statements that you get. So information was slow to come by. Right, right. New information was slow to come by. So if I got information this month and analyze a company, Mm -hmm. I knew that I wasn't getting an update for another quarter. And then another quarter after that. And and then and so I started off being a long-term investor. It wasn't until I missed out on some opportunities on the other side just by not buying companies that I didn't understand or seeing companies spike up overnight that I didn't participate in. And that's when I said, is there a chance to take advantage of this? Mm -hmm. But because of my early early lessons of having short-term pain, Mm -hmm. I I realized that 90% of my portfolio, 80 80 to 90% of my portfolio is always going to be long-term buy and hold. Because Mm -hmm. the money that you make most of the time is made overnight, right? So you wake up in the morning, and a stock mm-hmm. pops, you can't participate overnight. You can't buy it 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And what happens is people get into day trading and they're like, oh, let me buy in the morning, sell in the afternoon or sell at night. And you don't actually get to participate 
in the things that happen after hours when companies actually disclose material information. Right. And so that was when I realized that when earnings come out, there are certain key dates when earnings come out, companies are going to adjust and you want to be a part of that. And right. if you see the future, if you're investing in the future, then what you see today, if you still believe in what you're investing in, then you just want to participate in that. And you don't want to miss out on it because you decided to sell high. And then you're like, I sold it at a hundred. I don't want to buy it back at 120 or 130 or 140. And I had that right. kind of thing to me. And I was aware of my emotions by that time. And I was like, I'm just going to buy and hold. I'll handle the dips as long as I still believe in the future. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a, a, an incredible point that you touched on there because it was the first one is around um, missing out on the value that occurs overnight. And it's something that I've recognized, just like you said, with companies that they announce material information outside the regular hours. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's like standard or because they don't want to cause any disruption in the market. I don't Fair know. Fair disclosure. Fair disclosure. Okay, makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, that's an accounting requirement. Um, all right, so that makes perfect sense. So you miss out on that growth uh, overnight. And then, but the, the other thing too is around, um, you know, you touched on, uh, you know, selling at 100 versus 120 because of that, you know, we're constantly having these emotional reactions because, and, and, and what, what you will see on uh, certain platforms like Facebook, for example, when you go in those groups, like, a lot of people, the, the, the consensus among young people is that, yo, once you make a profit, you have to sell, just take the profit because you're going to lose back or you're going to dip back, as they would say. Like, what advice would you, like, what do you say in a situation like that? Because it's just the constant thought that we've been seeing, take the profit and go because you never had it before. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element to that, which is no one ever lost money taking a profit. Yeah. Right, and and I can understand and appreciate that. And everybody has to find their balance. I'm a long-term investor because I'm willing to take the time to understand the company. And that's what it takes. You're probably taking the profit because you haven't taken the time to understand the long-term prospects of that firm or where they fit into their industry or where they fit into the broader economy. But yeah. once I'm convinced that a company is going to be a part of the future, I just take my time. I scale into the position over time until I get to a max position that I'm willing to, to take, assuming that over quarters and months that the company continues to perform. And then I'm, I'm along for the long-term ride. And then eventually you start seeing the future shift, right? You do this for 20 years mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the world evolves. And when I started investing, CDs were in, right? <laughs> you guys are laughing. You guys I are love CDs. All right, all right. CDs <laughs> are in. So I bought a CD-ROM company. But at some point, I do have to sell. And if I held a CD-ROM company to this day, well, you'd know what it would be worth right now. Nothing. <sighs> so the question is knowing when to sell. And that is an art in itself. It is yeah. when has it become the end? Look at BlackBerry. BlackBerry was the heart and soul of the smartphone market. They started it. But if you held on to BlackBerry when everybody was switching to iPhone and, and Samsung, mm -hmm. you missed out on taking your profits when you were up. And so you have right. to find the balance. And if balance. you've gotten yeah. to the point where you've met your criteria mm -hmm. or you've met your profit target and you think that the, the upside is less than the downside, mm -hmm. then you take your profits. Mm -hmm. Because some companies that are here today are just not going to be around tomorrow.
That is Makes very sense. very true. That's true. <laughs> that's yeah, true. no, that's that's a that's a real, some really good points there. Example, and, Kodak. <laughs> Kodak. But this, this Kodak like went up like one time, and I was like, "What the hell was going on with Kodak?" I don't because like, they're trying to. It, what switch to something else yeah like, what we're trying to manufacture like uh, i think i think they're switching to pharmaceutical or pharmaceutical like yes yes there you go which is I was like people just like <laughs> gravitate to every type of news even news that you can't relate how it makes the company more valuable people mm-hmm. just like buy it yeah. it's just a buying frenzy but what about the, the, the entrepreneurship side because i know you said you're an investor and you know entrepreneur as well and you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, side hustle is becoming the new thing. And honestly, these days, hey, if you want to live in a Toronto, even Jane and Lawrence were the jerk box, they want to look a jerk chicken. You need to make certain amount of money. <laughs> but what, what we're seeing, um, you know, like, so upticking, uh, you know, side hustle. But, you know, is it a case where people are just gonna, just creating a second job for themselves? Or should people, should, should people start thinking about scaling? And building a system because I find I, that I see a lot of people just having side hustle, but not thinking about growing it beyond that. Or it's okay just to keep a side hustle just to survive. Like, what what would you Good say? Question. <laughs> the side hustle is supposed to be about more than just surviving. The reason why we have a side hustle is because the job's just not doing it by itself. Mm-hmm. The reason why we have a, a side hustle is because some of us want freedom from that job. Some of us don't want to be in the job we're in. I'm fortunate that I'm in an industry that I enjoy and I, I do side hustles that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And But ultimately the goal is that if one day I wake up and I don't want that paycheck anymore, I'm tired of the grind and I'm like, you know, I'm done with work. Then I want to be able to say I'm done. Right. And your side hustle is that transition where if you really enjoy it, then maybe your side hustle becomes something that becomes the thing that you do full-time and replaces that income mm-hmm. and if you're really good at it and you're investing then you accumulate enough money where you don't have to work you can hire people and your side hustle becomes a business of itself that sustains itself and ultimately you have income coming in that you don't have to work for and you just you, you got to figure it out because the oh, last yeah. thing you want to do is be i've seen too many people that are 65 years old retire to go back to work. Yeah. And, and I'm not feeling that life. That's not the life that I want. If I end up there, it's because I just couldn't figure it out. Not because I didn't try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's a, that's a crazy point that you brought up. I seen the same thing. And uh, at that stage, you know, sometimes they're getting like uh, a CPP and the pension, whatever pension from the government, all aid security. Mm-hmm. And then some of them, like they still have their $40,000 job. And then, each year, some of them owe like these taxes and they're like, oh, why do I owe tax? Like, why is the government still taxing me? Am, am I not in retirement? So, yeah, unfortunate. It's, it's a pretty it unfortunate hurts. situation. Yeah, it's, it's like a never ending cycle. They take the money yeah. out when you're working for it. Then they say they're going to give it back to you and they take it back <laughs> even when you're, when you're not exactly. <laughs> I tell you, Man. I tell you, I'm never afraid as um, Dana would have said. I don't know if you guys know Dana, but anyways. She's a Jamaican celebrity. She does um, a lot of charity work in the island. So mm. people would send money to her from around the world to help people back in Jamaica. Yeah. yeah she, she always said, I'm never afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't, you can't. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it seems to me, Kurt, is that um, even though you have uh, earned income, 
it seems that you have different avenues to sustain a life, a certain lifestyle. So you'd be able to, you know, um, not reach that goal of being 65 and, and still having to depend on like the government and stuff. Um, at what age or what game plan did you have to have these different avenues, I guess, after investing? The truth is I didn't have a game plan. <laughs> No. I didn't have a game plan. All I had was a desire. I had a desire that I didn't want to be broke anymore. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I was a teenager. I played basketball mm-hmm. and I couldn't go on tournaments because I couldn't afford it. I made it to the provincial team for a province and couldn't play because I didn't have the $400 to play. And I look back, I'm like, man, $400 stopped me from playing for the provincial team and or having at least the opportunity to do so. And so I just, I never wanted money to be an obstacle. And it was just that simple for me. And so I started my first entrepreneurial initiative when I was about 15 years old, just a t-shirt company. Didn't know anything. And I just really just, yeah, let me try and figure this out. I, I've mm-hmm. never known the answer before I started. I just know that this is a step towards where I need to go. And I'm going to take that step mm-hmm. and I'll figure out the rest as I go along. And I heard a quote, I wish I could remember who said it, but the successful people don't know where they're going. They just assume that they can figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot it when I heard it. And so mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm going to start. I'm going to start investing, figure it out. I'm going to start a business. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I will start charity. I'll figure it out. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'm going to start. And what you find is that the universe conspires to, mm-hmm. to get you what you want. When right, you're willing right. To- True. True. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And um, I think that's the people, sometimes people have these great ideas and of service or product or a technology that they want to develop. Mm-hmm. And they, they just, they're just sitting on it. Like I've seen artists, like music artists that are so good at what they do, mm-hmm. but they just, they're just sitting there with the talent. And, you know, the reality is just a matter of starting because so people are, overcome by the idea of failing. They don't want to fail. They don't want to do this. They don't want to put it out there and they're not making any money. So they don't make that, that, that first step. And really in business, that first step is the most important. It doesn't matter if you, you trip and you fall. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to screw like, what if I screw up? What if I make a yeah. mistake? You're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You're going to screw up. You're going to do things that you're not supposed to do. And the point is that you're going to figure out after and you learn from it and you'll grow from it. 100%. Yeah. That's true. And um, you mentioned that um, you do charity work. So that's a little bit of like the mentorship or community community building. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you fall into playing with that one? I always wanted a role model. And I figured that as a young person growing up, what I was afforded was a lot of experiences. When I was young, my parents sent me to visit family members in Florida, London, just different places of the world, Jamaica. And I just had great experiences that gave me more of a rounded environment. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that if young people had certain experiences, that they would be able to be inspired to want to do something and they would channel their energies in a different direction. And that's kind of what spawned the charity that that I started with a few friends called Mm -hmm. Experience Life. And right now we spend a lot of time 
lecturing youth about finance. We have a stock market stock market competition coming up starting Monday. And <laughs> we get we get a lot of good feedback from the parents about this is awesome. Like I've never really talked to my child about money and I didn't realize that now they're coming back to me and they're asking questions and we're having discussions. And I didn't really realize the importance of having these discussions at home because when you come from a Caribbean background, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain things that you just don't talk about, right? Right. You don't ask your parents about money. You don't ask them where the money is going. You don't ask them how much money is coming into the house, right? Because some of us wouldn't be here if we asked those questions when we were younger. Yep. And so it's about changing the dynamics around it so mm-hmm. that you can... And so it's sensitive, right? So you have to figure out how do I get these young adults to ask their parents questions in a way where their parents don't feel intimidated, not just because they, they, they think it's a rude thing to do, but because sometimes they don't know either and they don't know how to open up about a discussion that they've never had before, right? Or no one taught them, but you have to break the cycle by being willing to learn from each other. And that's how I got into the charity. That's why I got into mentoring. And that's why I always teach people about finances. Nice. Makes perfect sense. Love that, love that. Uh, That's some really good work that you're doing there. Um, So, you you know, like, you had had an early background in, um, you know, business and accounting and stuff and whatnot. And, you know, so a lot of people, it's never something that we uh, we pursue, and, I, and I'll tell you this: like there are some people who even pursue business, like myself. But the way oh, I pursued business was from more of a, an academic standpoint than a practical standpoint. So mm-hmm. you went to university, you did a, a course in high school in business, you did a whole degree in business, but you never really approach it as like from the perspective that yo, I can become an entrepreneur, like I can become a business owner. It's like I have a, a degree in business so I can go get a job, uh, a corporate position. Mm-hmm. I mean, either path is fine, right? Um, and, I, and I think we had mentioned that we wanted you to give three um, advice. Uh, but, you know, like I think one, you know, because there's been so much um, myths around like entrepreneurship uh, as well as lack of support around entrepreneurship because you know, sometimes you'll see these posts where somebody will post that, you know, they're an entrepreneur and they're saying they're not getting the support. But if they post that they got a job, they'll get a lot of support. So like within our culture, I think one is looked up on and the other one is looked on. And mm-hmm. people who can't relate to that success, they don't support it. And perhaps they won't support it until let's just say, yo, the business take off. And then the other thing is that by the time you say, yo, I'm a business owner, people think you're rich. So, yo, entrepreneurs have a lot to deal with in our culture. So, like, what real advice would you give to these, uh, like, people who are trying to become an entrepreneur? I would say that, so first of all, I started off with the employee route. So, I don't have anything against being an employee. And I'll, I'll tell you mm-hmm. how I look at that working as a minimum when you think mm-hmm. about being an entrepreneur, when you think about having a, a side hustle. If you are an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, and you said, you know what? I need funds. I need someone to invest in my business. I need someone to put money in my business. Well, if you have a job, you're, you have something that can continually funnel money into your business. If you're, instead of blowing it on things that are a waste, invest in yourself and put it into your business. And what a job can do for some people is fund their business. Yeah. 
And, and if you do a really good job and they give you a bonus, a raise, and you get additional money to fund your business and grow it if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And for the people that, that start a business and say, my mom don't support, my brother don't support, my friends don't support, and maybe they're not your customer. True. Right? If, that's an important you, point. If you start a business with the intentions of getting rich off your brother, sister, mom, aunt, and uncle, then maybe that's not the business you should be in unless your mom, aunt, and uncle are really rich. Right? <laughs> You're building a business because you want to have an impact on a certain community, whether that be culturally, whether that be um, academically, whether that be from just fashion, fad, whatever it may be, you're looking to make an impact and you should be focusing on making that impact and the people that value what you bring to the table are going to pay for it, Uh right? When I started my first one, which is a t-shirt company, I was 15 years old, I was looking for my family and friends to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, very quickly, I realized that my family and friends have limited money, even though they bought it. Now what? They've bought it. Right. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so even if they do support, you don't have a business until you figure out how to get to your ultimate customer. And now the entrepreneurial stuff I do, I don't I've never met my customers. Right. Because yeah. they are they're buying the stuff. It's e-commerce. So in the e-commerce world, you don't really meet your customers per se, you may know them from exchanging online, but you don't meet all of them. And now people that enjoy the products that you bring to the table, they buy it. And that's a real business. Mm -hmm. I like like how you said, um, well, when it comes to depending on your loved ones, with your business, it's like a struggle. (laughs) But um, if if you are trying to impact the world, people will see that and, and be drawn to you. So I'm glad that you mentioned that, even though, you know, most times people are looking for it <laughs> with the money. But if you actually go in the mindset of, okay, I want to impact the world and change things, people will see that and then mm-hmm. draw. And then the loved ones will mention it to everyone. And then the business grows and you learn. And if you, if you have something that your family should be buying and they're buying it from somebody else and then they realize that, oh, you can do this for them and they weren't supporting in the beginning, when they do decide to support, make sure they pay full price. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay? I agree. Make sure they pay yeah, full price agree. for the services. Make sure they appreciate what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Right? Very, very true. Holy. Yeah. And you think that, because uh, I got this question, I, actually, where was I presenting? I think it yeah at... Um, appeal the school board and I love this question so much and I feel like it's a question um, I kept asking as I go forward it was a teenager probably like 15 or, or so asked the question um, do do you feel like it's important uh, for the schools uh, to teach um, kids very early about entrepreneurship and why of course it is if you don't then, then how are you going to learn it? One of the yeah. biggest differences why we have the wealthy and the poor are partly because of the lessons we earn, partly because of the starting point. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is you have people that have a head start. And if you come from a wealthy family of entrepreneurs, you're learning entrepreneurship from day one because you're seeing it every single day. Yeah. Right. True. Your dad is That's running true. a company. 
your dad is talking, you're hearing your dad talk to customers or your mom talk to customers, or you're hearing your, your parents negotiate deals. You're hearing them run the business because yeah. there's no avoiding it, whether they're talking about it in the car, whether they're talking about it at home, mm-hmm. you're going to hear it because that is the environment that they're living. If they have people or business partners come over to their house and they're talking business, you're just picking up on all that stuff. Kids mm-hmm. absorb everything. everything. And if you're in a coming from a, a community where your income is challenged, you don't get that experience. You don't mm-hmm. get the opportunity to hear about entrepreneurship. You got a mom and dad working one job, two jobs, and mm-hmm. they're not talking about entrepreneurship. They're not talking about money. They're talking about putting food on the table. They're talking about th- the next bill they got to pay. And that's what goes into your head, right? Life is about paying that next bill. Life is about mm-hmm. paying off the debt. Life is, and that, that gets feed into your psyche over, over a period of time, you're not going to know anything about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? Where are you going to learn about it? And then school is yeah. that bridge. School is that bridge that says, hey, kids, there's another way of life besides just working and getting a job. Yeah. 100%. 100%. That, 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 is, um, that, that, that is also key about the whole thing about feeding it uh, into your, to your head from early. And it, it's like underscores what I always say, like growing up, all I knew about money is that it, love of it is the root of all evil and it pays the bills. Because that's what everybody talked about. Nothing mm-hmm. beyond that. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of teachings that we have to unlearn. Yeah, And it's been passed down from generations to generations. And that is why I love mentoring. That's why I love teaching other people about finances. And I really, I really would wish that more people would not just think about finances from their own perspective, right? Mm-hmm. But as you talk about money being the root of all evil and, you know, they thought, oh, I see him up there soon. He's going to fall down. And, and they have all these things, right? That, right? And soon <laughs> drop down, right? So it's like, even when you're up, even when you're trying to make it, it's like you get a little bit and people don't want to see you succeed, right? Right. We have to recondition this. And as we are reconditioning ourselves, yeah. we have to teach it to the next generation. So generationally, right, right. we have people that follow us that can take things to another level. Right? 100%. We, we can't just say, we can't just unlearn it and, and, and strive. We have to unlearn it and teach. Yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense. I love it. Hmm. I have like a, a um, what is your um, view on like success? Like, when will you know that you've reached and you're like, ah, there we go. Yeah. When you can afford a bottle of VSOP without complaining. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> the, I don't. I don't pursue the destination. Mm, it's, it's, the, it's the journey. It's really about getting better, doing better, growing every single time. And what happens is there's nothing wrong with setting goals, but when you set a big goal mm-hmm. and you get there, it's like, okay, now I'm here. Now what? I've, is this successful? Do I just sit down and wilt for the rest of my life now that I've gotten to this destination that I talked about? Mm-hmm. And if the same thing that drives you to get to that goal should drive you to get to another level. Mm-hmm. And so it's always just being a better version of myself every single time. 
mm. and not really about comparing, right? Not, not that he has this car, so I want it too. And she has mm-hmm. that house, so I want it too. It is learning how to stay in my lane and grow at my own pace without trying to be somebody else. Yeah. And, and so if I could define success, it's just being comfortable with myself and my journey and not necessarily about a destination where I, I need a million dollars or $2 million or $5 million and then I'm successful. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, in order to get that one, two, three, four, $5 million, mm-hmm. I have to see myself as a success in advance of that, right? Which means success is knowing or thinking that I'm capable of accomplishing that. Yeah, that, that's, you know, and um, John C. Maxwell, I believe it's in his book called Self-Improvement. I'm mm-hmm. strongly leaning toward that one because it's the last copy I read. Um, he spoke about destination disease. And essentially, that's why you're just saying um, about like just setting a destination, you get there and then so what? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and, and it goes back to like some of the stuff that I've said to Camille and even my, my statuses, I'd say, you know, if you stop learning, then you're not living. All right. And you're so, condi- people are just so conditioned, for example, that the final destination is your, you go, uh, when you graduate a degree or a master's, do you stop learning after you get your master's degree? Do you stop wanting to achieve after you've gotten married and by your place? Or you still try to improve and still try to learn and still try to, to do things. And it is something that I, I'm a firm believer in that learn, learning and growing should never end. It doesn't end once you, you reach that goal. You should continue to strive more. And I don't, for me personally, I just feel like it gives life, uh, gives life a greater meaning. Right. Yeah. Because if you're just like one place and I mean, everybody's different. I guess some people enjoy being at that destination. But for me, not so much. <laughs> I agree. There's there's two quotes that that you that you brought to mind. And one is, you know, the basic one along the same thing you said, which is if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, plants don't just stop growing. They either grow. And as soon as they stop, they only stop when they're dead. Right? When they're dead. Exactly. And and but Muhammad Ali, you know, said it best. If you're the same person you were 10 years ago, you wasted 10 years of your life. So true. True. And, mm-hmm. and that's as simple as you can put it. Why, why would you waste that much time? You got to be, you got to look back and say, wow, I can't believe how much I've grown, how much I've changed, how much mm-hmm. I've evolved. And if you look back and say, yep, I'm the same person I was 10 years ago. <laughs> why? Yeah. Hopefully they like agree. What happened? Yeah. Right. Nice. Um, so I, I, I want to say that I'm trying to be a reader <laughs> or I listen, I do listen to like podcasts and everything. Is there certain um, books or podcasts that you listen to that other than ours <laughs> that you listen to, to like keep growing and evolving? I listen to, <laughs> I, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books. I try and I don't read as much as I do before, but in any given year, I can read like 10 to 15 books. Jeez. Oh, wow. Hey, guys. That's, that's, my <laughs> because... that's one target. But can... like I... But <laughs> I had a friend call me today. He's like, I need you to read a book so we can talk about it. And I was like, okay, send me the book. And so, you know, probably by the end of the week or two, I'll be done that book and we'll talk about it. And, and so it's just, it's reading taking information, whether it is, you know, culture has shifted, right? Everything that, that I've had to consume has either been through a book or something that is relatively long. Now you got 
social media where you can absorb things in snippets. We have YouTube. YouTube did not exist in my day. And I think people, people take a lot of these things for granted that they just have all these learning channels. They didn't exist. I didn't have somebody that could lecture me mm-hmm. on, on a particular topic or subject just by clicking on a button on, at home. I had to go to school for that stuff. Encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so you have YouTube, you Yo, have Instagram, you have people going Instagram live, podcast live that we're doing now. Right. And it, they're all learning experiences. And then you, you add that on when you find really smart people that are really successful mm-hmm. that you may not have access to. You read their books, you read books about them. So for me, after I lost my 50, 50, 50, and a few 50s after that, I started reading about George Soros. I started reading about Warren Buffett. I started following Michael E. Chin. I started following people that I may never meet in my entire life, Mm -hmm. but there's so much information that they've put out there or people have studied them and put it out there Mm -hmm. and they're sharing their systems and their formula, read it, study it, try and apply it, learn from it, grow from it. And that's the only way you can really improve if you don't have those circles of people around you right? Mm, Where people can teach you, then find a mentor that you don't know and doesn't know you and study them and study how they do things and and apply it to your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people mentor, having a mentor doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a a physically available mentor like Camille. (laughs) Camille is fortunate. (laughs) I have several mentors that I've never met. I had the privilege of meeting one the other day. But the vast majority of my mentors, I've never met them, but I read up on them just the same like her said, you know, and, you know, you watch what these people do and you see how they, they make the decision, you see how they speak publicly. There's so many things that you can learn uh, from them. You can get a sense of their framework yeah. because honestly, what I think as much as people want to say um, there's no magic formula, there's no formula to success. What I like to say is that even if there's no formula, I believe there are ingredients all right, there are certain things that you can do that will set you up on the right path. Mr. Camila, mix up the soup already. <laughs> Success soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, reading, reading, reading. Oh, man. Okay. It's so, big. It's and big. learning, it's really and learning. Because I know, um, as I say, I, you know, try to take a little what uh, Kurt uh, says and and then I also have to remember the emotions aspect I think the emotions aspects take um take a toll <laughs> from me at times but I I can vouch that he is a person that continues to learn and and pushes others to learn as well the amount mm. of years <laughs> he's like oh so when you get to study so when you get to study I'm like Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm supposed to study, right? I'm like, okay, okay, I'm gonna do it. And then since COVID, I've I started uh, doing my CFP, so I I have some more learning to do. So I'm able to mm-hmm. get to to the master because I'm still a grasshopper. I say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, you, why not? You gotta true. push the people around you. That is true. So true. So true. And it's a good thing because when you have um, a great like circle, whether mm-hmm. they're close or far, um, it's always good to like, you know, have those uh, individuals that push you to be greater. Just like you said, you had someone that wants you to read a book. The best way to do 
start a book club if you want. Mm. And whether it's monthly or bi-weekly, I don't know about weekly. <laughs> weekly could be a little uh, tricky, but when I think we spoke about it before, like having someone hold you accountable for certain things so yeah. you're able to grow. An accountability and, partner. Yeah, and it's Kurt's one of them. I, I don't even know how many people you actually like mentor in a sense or they just like draw to you but i i do appreciate it in so many ways <laughs> so um, thank you thank you and it goes both ways right so camille does hold me accountable as well when i start some projects and and i i say i'm gonna you know do a podcast and, and mm-hmm. she's like um well where's your 50 topics <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I did say that to you, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> and so it's good because iron sharpens iron. Right. right. And that's how you, you get better at things. So you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to give it mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to take it. Yes. Yeah. And, and to your point, the ones that stick around are the ones that can take it. That <laughs> the is ones it. that don't are the ones that can't take it. Right. Yeah, and and that, that creates the environment around you. Mm-hmm. Right. If if you allow people to shrink and not grow into their greatness, then eventually that will suck onto you, right? Because you're becoming accepting of that type of culture. If you're constantly pushing people to be better, whether it frustrates them or not, and I know my wife is probably one of the most frustrated people out there <laughs> because I'm always pushing. And it's because I need to be in that type of environment where the people around me mm-hmm. are strong enough or get strong enough that they can hold me up too, mm-hmm. right? Because there's going to be times when I might not know the answer, when I don't know what to do, and I need somebody else with expertise, and I need the people around me to be developing their expertise so together we can keep pushing each other. Nice. All right. So nice having one. an accountability partner is great. That's good. We need one. Um, I need one because right now it's my son is my accountability partner but the other day I'm tell him go talk for me so I give him cookies so from them time there I'm not really into him so I need to get somebody else <laughs> seems like he's doing good you got to keep him <laughs> he knows how to say like mm, I don't think this is right so I gotta say who, who gave me the cookie and stuff but of course <laughs> this is this is why um, I thought it was very important to bring Kurt on because I wanted you guys to connect too. Because honestly, I think you two are like the two main gentlemen that are like in my life that has an impact mm. and whether it's personally or, or like business. So I appreciate you guys. And I just want to see you two grow as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know? it's been great to finally meet Andre. I've been listening to the show and I, I agree with a lot of what he says. So it's, it's good to finally connect and, and be on the show too. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, likewise. Um, I think this was a, a good link up. And we found out that Kurt um, and I used to live in the same area and what? love the same restaurant. So some connection there already, even before uh, meeting and, uh, you know personally. So yeah, exactly. we're definitely going to have Kurt on board again to um, come and give us another talk because... He shared some incredible information with us today, like all the others who uh, who come on and wanna we keep bringing the knowledge, the insight, and you know try to do it in a fun and engaging way. 
Right? Yeah. Says, yeah, we're about that. <laughs> and also because we're all about um, the community. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the best thing about it. And uh, Kurt, is there any like um, other like avenues or, or, or anything that you want to tell the folks to let them know, to hear, to watch out for you? Because you're, you know, <laughs> you're always mm -hmm. growing. And I know you have something because I've, I've been, like you said before, I pushed you <laughs> with the podcast. I... I'm always growing. I'm I'm getting into a couple of things that I'm really just touching the surface on. I'm learning more about NFTs and looking to get a better understanding of how they work and seeing how I can leverage them as a business opportunity. Mm -hmm. And most recently started a podcast, actually released the first episode what? yesterday. Yesterday yeah. was Friday, right? The first episode came yes. out yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm in the process of, of, so you guys heard it here first, because I actually haven't sent out the notification. So if anybody's watching, I'm sorry. Camille said I had to wait until the show before nice. I could tell anybody about the podcast. So now it's official after this show. I nice. can tell everybody about the podcast. Well, hold on, hold on. But I did listen to it. I did listen to it. And I, um, you got I, a sneak preview. She did. Yes. She did. You know, sometimes you gotta. So you have to bring on a toy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ah. You yeah, exactly. can't bring one alone. You have to bring a toy. <laughs> we're a duo. We're a duo, right? <laughs> Every time someone's like, "Oh, come here, let's connect," I'm like, "Oh no, you gotta bring Andre too." <laughs> you know. Um, so night. And what is the the podcast about? You know, tell us about the the name of the podcast, oh, I'm just looking at my screen here. Let me just tip this up. You'll see a little sign here for my mm. podcast. Live Harmony is the name of the podcast. Yes. And it's really about the essence of harmony. And anything that we do, mm. when we're successful at it, it requires an element of harmony, whether it's mm -hmm. harmony with self, harmony with another person, mm -hmm. or harmony with a group of people. Okay. It is about really how we grow and evolve in harmony. Anybody can be in a relationship for a moment, mm -hmm. but it really takes another type of person to grow in that relationship over time and mm -hmm. being in relationships where you're growing, I'm growing, and we're still in harmony. And that is a skill set because you look at the divorce rates, you look at people that are committing suicide, you look at now people talking about mental health, mental illness, so even harmony with self is like one of the biggest challenges that we're going through right now. And then we talk about money. And normally when you build a lot of money, it takes a lot of people. And so if you can really get the people around you to yeah. work together as a system in harmony, looking out for your best interests and growing you, then you get to accumulate wealth as well. And I believe that harmony touches on so many elements that I've always been fascinated by that I wanted to start this podcast partly as a study and partly as just getting to know, learn and more principles about it. When I looked it up, we have, you can find harmony of music, you can find harmony in art, but not many people talk about harmony amongst people, how to create it, how to sustain it over mm. time. And that's kind of the genesis for the podcast. Nice. Nice. Love it. We're living in harmony and we're talking in harmony today and yeah. we're drinking in harmony. Yes. <laughs> cheers. I care, I care about juice measuring people. I wish uh -huh, it was uh -huh. ginger, I ale, ginger ale, ginger ale, ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have the H two O. 
you know, it's all about the H2O. Got to be healthy. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the fact that you're drinking water again and saying it's healthy because I remember our last conversation. So that's good stuff. And I can see the bottle big too. All right. Yes, one liter. Jeez, um, it's it's a struggle, but I I've been working with the the challenges of drinking water because it is good for your body, right? Good yeah. for your body and soul. You so know, we need to drink more too. I think I only had one bottle, one cup today. That's not enough. <laughs> That's not Don't enough. worry, you still have a, a couple more hours in the day, yeah. so True. you know, just Give balance it out. <laughs> That's All what right, I always then. say, and All um. Right. Yes, so Kurt, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like else to say before we, we, we tune out? No, it's been awesome. Enjoyed being here today. Love the vibes. And you guys keep doing what you're doing. I will keep listening. And you guys have brought some really good guests on the show. So I'm actually very honored to be one of the guests on the show. I have reached out to one of uh, one of your previous guests, Paulette, who was actually helping me out with some matters in Jamaica in regards to real estate. And so, big up, hey, I'm telling you, so Paulette is my girl. I'm telling I just, you, I just won. Yeah, right. And so I want you guys to know that, and that's a sign that you guys are bringing value. And I want people to know that you know if you listen to the people that come onto this podcast, that there's a lot of value here. Connect and and have them help you, right? Yeah, 100%, 100%. That's what we're you doing. You heard we're it from the boss, man. <laughs> the boss himself coming through. We're connecting people to valuable people. Like, let me tell you now. You know, Jamaican say, yeah, cha-cha boy, cha-cha people. We bring on fan, yeah, we don't bring on play-play people. We bring on real deal, you know? If you ever got Jamaican, add a real deal burger, you know? Exactly. Anyway, oh, sometimes man. I get carried away and I talk foolishly, but yeah. We bring on real people, people where you know, share the same values as, as us and, you know, for the community, you know. So thanks again, uh, Kurt, for joining us for another episode of the things mm-hmm. that I wish I knew about money. Oh, and is there um, any IG or, or any way that people can find you? We'll, we'll put it in the uh, description. Please oh, nice. So if they want to follow the, the podcast, it's Live mm-hmm. Harmony. L-I-V-H-A-R-M-O-N-E-E. And it's mm-hmm. the same for Instagram, for Twitter, and for Anchor. And if they want to connect with me directly, it is Mr. Henry24. And that's on Instagram, on Facebook. But he's is... not 24. <laughs> <laughs> he's 24. I'm 25. But that was last year. You know. uh, I just like the number 24. I might change it to 25 now that you mentioned it. <laughs> so the, yeah, Facebook, Kurt Henry, LinkedIn, Kurt Henry. Mm. And, and happy to connect and, and figure out where we go from there. Nice. All nice, right. Nice. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. So sign out with our um our big tuna now yes always always just like i say subscribe like comment i've noticed uh individuals are commenting so thank you continue to to do that and share it with us to everyone and you know you just gotta with these two folks they'll always be part of my family so it's only right to play this song Hey.